I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, how's it going now? This is Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. That intro is me, Matt Rossi, the host. And with me this week is my fantastic co-host, who's always here, so I don't know why I act like it's a new thing, uh, Ann Stickney. Ann, what have you been up to this week? I have been up to um, a multitude of different things, both in and out of the game. Um, do I have to say it? Do I have to say it? Because, like, everybody's been doing it. I played some WoW Classic. <laughs> like, everybody's been playing some WoW Classic. Uh, not a ton, because trying to get into WoW Classic was... Well, that was a unique experience, and I'm sure we will talk more about that as, as the show continues. Um, but, yeah, I did some of that. Uh, some of it involved playing with somebody who had literally never played World of Warcraft before. Like, they, they had no idea what was going on. Um, which was really entertaining because they had they had kind of a dual experience because they started playing by themselves to pick up things and then the following day they rolled a different character on a different server and played with me. Um, we did stream this. I think next time if we do end up playing together again, if he streams it, I'll just tweet it out. So follow me on Twitter if you haven't. It's um, Shades Letter O G R E Y. Anyway, um, it was fascinating listening to him because he didn't know what was like he didn't he he didn't have like a clear grasp on what was going on with stuff right um and the one thing he said he was like wow I really should have just been doing this with you all along because I was muddling around looking at my map trying to figure out where southwest was trying to find things and meanwhile I'm playing with you and you're like oh I know where that is follow me and I'm just following you (laughs) I was like yeah I'm kind of the game guide anyway (laughs) I was going to say you could rent yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, just follow me. I remember where everything is. Why? I don't know. It's just muscle memory at this point. This is I all swear. burned into my brain by a process that was, you know, of two years of madness. So it's, hey, let's it, go. It, it's an encyclopedia. It's just there. And even though we had Cataclysm come out and we've been playing in Cataclysm longer than we were ever in vanilla, um, I still remember all the vanilla stuff. Like, it's yeah, just... I... I, I was surprised when I did. It's uh, there data. in my brain. <laughs> it's just there. In yeah, my, like, I don't I think it's this... ever going to come out. It's just there. <laughs> I, I was really surprised at how well I remembered stuff like the Rem Farrell's expedition, Rem travel. I think it's Rem Oh travel. yeah. Rem travel's and, expedition. Yeah. And uh, how well I knew exactly how bad it was going to go. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. This is going to bug out. Oh yeah. He's going to run and get himself. Yep. Exactly the way I remembered it. Though it's, it is kind of disturbing to find yourself. I haven't played wow classic. I'll be up front. Uh, I've played the beta. I played the beta till like level forty something, uh, but I didn't play WoW Classic because a there's the whole logging in thing, and b there's everything else, which we will talk about fairly shortly. But is there anything else you want to talk about before we do? Actually, since that's pretty much the whole news this week. Uh, other stuff. I uh, got a new phone, which is cool. I think it's behaving itself now. I don't know. I'll have to look at it after the show. I just got it, so I've been setting that up. 
Um, I've been playing with puppies. I played with puppies yesterday. Volunteered at a rescue. By the way, I totally recommend. Guys, if you like animals, but you can't have animals in your home for whatever reason, check with your local rescues in your area and see if you can volunteer. Because... I think it kind of depends on the rescue, but the place that I went to, they are constantly looking for volunteers to just come and give the dog a walk, any of the dogs, or, you know, play with the dogs, play some fetch or something like that. Give them some exercise. Just get, get them that social interaction, and you don't have to pay anything to do it. You just have to, like, fill out your information so that they know who you are and that you're okay, um, and it's great. It's like, oh, okay, I can get my whole, like, I, I can scratch that itch of wanting to have a pet without actually having to have a pet. And I can help out these critters that are, you know, stuck in a rescue for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, if that's something that you're interested in, I totally recommend that you do that because it was like a super relaxing time. I had a really good time. The puppy had a really good time. I shouldn't say puppy because she was like three years old. But anyway, it was great. It was super great. And yeah. I'm, that's that's all I'm going to say about that, I think. And okay. that's it. That and Pokemon Go, because Pokemon Go was having their water festival this weekend. I was catching so many fish. Anyway. Um, oh, cool. That, all right. But yeah. then I think we're going to move into them, their top stories there, because there's only <laughs> one of them this week. Uh, it's all kind of mushed together. Thing. It's all yeah. kind of mushed together. Uh, <laughs> Wild Classic launched this week. Uh, had a huge launch. Had some okay. interesting shenanigans Wait, can the I servers. Can can I interrupt you for a second here? Because I know we're going to get sure. it. I know we're going to get it. Because there are people who are absolutely sick of hearing about WoW Classic. And I get it, guys. Especially if you have no interest in playing WoW Classic at all. I get it. This week has been nothing but WoW Classic news. And I apologize in advance. However, we do have emails to answer that don't necessarily involve WoW Classic. So you can feel free to skip forward. Um... What the heck? If you're listening oh. to us streaming this, you can't. I was, but... I was, yeah, if you're streaming, you, you can't. But if you're listening to the recorded show, you can. And I will, in post, I will find the timestamp of when we start answering emails. And I'll just put it here. It's 2345-ish. 2345. That'll get you where you want to be. You're welcome. And you can jump to there and avoid all of the WoW Classic chatter. Because I'm sorry, that's just been this week. Anyway, okay. Continue. Classic. I'm just going to say, it launched this week. Um, I'll be up front too, guys. I am not playing WoW Classic, so if you feel like, God, they won't stop talking about it. Sometimes I feel like, God, we won't stop talking about it. But seriously, they didn't do anything else this week. <laughs> like, they really didn't. So anyway, um, when it launched this week, the first thing that happened was the cues that anybody who played original vanilla WoW knew were going to come came. Uh, they were enormous. I think at one point servers were like 30,000 people in queue. I mean, it was like 10 hour long queues, guys. It yeah. was, it was, I mean, okay. I don't think it was quite as crammed as it was day one of World of Warcraft, but it was like a small sampling of what that kind of chaos was like, honestly. Uh, and and the, to be fair to Blizzard, um, when they realized, oh my God, what what have we done? They, they immediately turned on more servers, which, again, anybody who remembered original WoW knew they were going to do that. Um, they then also increased the size of how many people could play on a server to reduce the queues to a degree. Like, they, I don't remember how much they increased it by, but they did. They they increased the upper limit of how many people they'd allow on a server at they've once. They've been Since tweaking the it a little bit, and they've been yeah. encouraging people to start playing on a different... Like, they've... How many new servers do they have now? It's it's a lot. They've been adding yeah, new servers up like, to like daily. twenty or so, but I like, can't remember. Yeah, they've been adding new servers. I know they, they added like, one named Ash Condi. It's it's been daily. It has been daily. Yeah. Um So um yeah, they, they added one named Ash Condi, by the way, which Blizzard, I see you. It's not happening. I have a life now. I already play regular retail World of Warcraft. You're not getting me again. You're not getting me. Anyway, uh I I think in general, though, I will, so one thing I will say for this is while Classic servers are real stable. I mean, leagues ahead of where they were in 2000. They absolutely are. Like, they aren't crashing or anything like that. It's just that there's a lot of people that want to play. Yeah, they, they had to increase the, the size of people they allow on, and the servers are still staying up just fine. It is purely they had more demand than they actually had the ability to supply. And I think to a degree, 
even people like a lot of us really undersold how popular this was going to be. And we, we still don't know how popular it will be long term. Like, will there be people raiding Molten Core? Will there be people raiding Next Ramos when it comes out? I can't tell you. I have no idea. But for our first week, yeah, this was an extremely popular game. I think it was like it was like number three on Twitch at one point. Uh, when uh, it launched, it was like number one on Twitch for a hot minute, and then I think it, it's still up there. It's weird. It's weird that the, the yeah. game that's fifteen years old was like up in the top spot. Like what? I will say this. I will say this though. It is not a game that's fifteen years old. It's a game that's thirteen years old. Because patch 1.12 came out in August of 2006. Yeah, that's true. That's it's true. literally 13 years ago this month. So, and I'm, I'm sticking with it. 1.12 was not 1.0. And for those of us who played in 1.0, you know what I'm talking about. Um, hey, Paladin players who played in original vanilla, you played in one, patch 1.0. Did they change your class at all? Like, I can already feel Paladin players going, yeah, I re-rolled because they nerfed the heck out of us. Because they did. Well, yeah. Fired K in the chat channel says right now it's still number one on Twitch with 370k people watching. Okay. See, there you go. Yeah. And this is a game that is 13 years old. And somebody, somebody actually hit version. level 60 today. Did you? Did you? Hear yeah, that? I saw that. I did see that. They yeah. had their first 93 hours played. West level 60 West. So um, it wasn't a European player. It was somebody out here in the U.S. But they hit level 60 with. I think it was a uh, no mage. Ninety three hours, something like that. Yeah, but I think it was a no mage, if I remember correctly, and they were doing a lot of AOE leveling, which you could do. Yeah, if if you play like certain classes, and you can get help, you can have people who help you as long as they're not in a group with you. If they let you tag it first, and then they help kill it, that kind of stuff. I don't know that that's what he did because I didn't watch his stream, but that is one way that's been done in the past. Um, but yeah, uh, people are already hitting sixty. People are already getting serious. We know that. Uh, method is going to be stream, streaming the whole thing. They're streaming their entire leveling process, and they're going to stream themselves up until they get to Molten Core and Anixia and kill Molten Core and Anixia. So well, that's probably going to be happening fairly soon, since people are hitting 60 already. They're probably going to be uh, getting that done within the week or so, I would think. So look forward to getting to watch an actual Molten Core raid. That, that should be fascinating. Especially since they're going to be wearing an incredible mishmash of gear when they first walk in there. It's going to be a lot of strategizing to get around the fire resist stuff. Yeah, I still remember the first time that I... Okay, so my priest... Went, while I was leveling my priest, um, I made a friend. And it turned out that that friend was actually an alt of somebody who was in the top horde raid guild on the server. And as I was leveling, they were like, yeah, when you hit 60, you should totally apply to our guild and come raid with us. And I was like, well... Is it fun? Because I hadn't actually ever raided before, and they were like, "Yeah, it's a blast." Just, just you know, we always need priests. Like we always need priests. So if you apply, you will totally get in. I was like, "Okay." So I hit level sixty, and um, I didn't have any fire resist, so I bought a blue wand off the auction house that had a whole fifteen fire resist on it, and I equipped that. Um, and that same night. I was in Molten Core facing off with Ragnaros, getting dunked in lava and just dying horribly. But it was still one of the best nights of my life. Anyway, <laughs> it was super fun. But if you go in there without fire resist, oh, it's not going to be good for you. It just isn't. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So server queues have been a thing. Somebody already hit level 60. That's great. More power to them. Um, you're weird because you're gonna have to wait for everybody else to hit level 60 to go do anything you realize but that's okay you you got you got the first you got the first and i get it um what else well i mean the, the, there's as you pointed out there's been new servers pretty much every single day uh that has been a big part of it um most of the stuff has basically been people talking about the fact that that it is really interesting to watch people play this thing you know and there's stuff that you don't have that you used to have um and stuff that that people didn't really realize going in like one of the things i feel really bad for people who like are playing paladins and druids who want to tank um because they don't they, they go in and they've never played the game before and they see that they have you know protection paladins and feral druids both of which are supposed to be able to tank and they can just fine but 
they can't do it well enough to actually do anything. They can't do group content. And tanking specs are terrible for leveling. Absolutely terrible. Uh, in patch 1.12, tanking specs are about the worst for leveling that can be. They're worse than healing specs, which are themselves kind of terrible for leveling. And the the insult to injury aspect to this is the one one class that is pretty good at tanking in, in WoW Classic is, is are warriors. And they don't need to take any talents in prot or very few. Like you can tank 31, 5, 15 and 15 points in prot and like 31 points in arms. And you can tank any boss in the game. And you'd be okay. And, yeah. Yeah. That's the main spec most people used. Some people did go heavy, heavy prot. Like usually a guild would have one complete prot warrior who'd have like some ridiculously and high prot. And he was the main tank. And then of course, you know, you had 40 people in a raid. So you'd have like five or six other warriors that were a variation of whatever, but they could all off tank. Yeah. And even then, like I, cause I was, like I said, my, my build throughout all of original WoW was a either a 3120 arms fury uh 31515 arms fury prot or something like 15 and like 15 35 uh fury i want to say 15 yeah no yeah no 30 it was 1536 that's what it was 1536 um arms fury and that was a slam build that was a two-handed fury build that i used and it wasn't super popular, but it was one that was relatively it was used a lot in in raids because it tanked just fine, but it was good. The thing is, is you didn't want to compete with rogues because there were like a ton of daggers and swords, one-handed weapons that would drop. And as a if you wanted a tanking weapon, you had to already fight with rogues to get a tanking weapon. You yeah. didn't want to fight with rogues for DPS gear. Uh, you already had to kind of fight with them for stuff like the crown, like for leather stuff. And they hated it, but there was also some male pieces. Like almost every DPS warrior wore the crown off a rag, so you didn't want to fight too much with rogues. So you wanted to use a two-handed weapon for DPS, uh, and that meant either going arms for mortal strike. And there's a boss in Blackwing Lair. It's one of the Drakes, and I can't remember which one off the top of my head. I want to I want to say it's Ebonrock, but I'm not sure which one. But the only way most guilds could kill him was to have a couple of arms warriors on him at all times, because you just mortal strike him constantly. Because he'd heal to full. Because he I don't put think the that shadow... was Ebon Rock, but I know I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. See the Flame Gore or Ebon Rock, I'm not sure. I think it but was Flame Gore, but I don't think it was Ebon Rock. Debuff, he'd put this shadow debuff out on the raid, and then he'd heal to full while damaging the raid. And the only way to keep him from healing to full was to just keep Mortal Strike on him constantly. I think Horde guilds could also have the, the, the Shadow Priest thing on him, Devouring Plague. I think that helped too. Yes. But... Alliance guilds, nope. You just had to have people mortal striking him constantly. Uh, so you wanted to have a couple. It was arms the one that you had to take down the ramp. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. I think that was Flame Gore. Because you had to take him or down fight. because the other one, the other one was patrolling up there too. <laughs> there were was two it, of them patrolling up there. Ebon Rock was the first one, and then it was Flame Gore and Fire Maw, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Up top, yeah. I, I think it was Flame I mean, Gore I, was the one you had to drag down and had the. the point being that you, the the way the game was set up, you you go into it thinking. Oh yeah, I'll take a tank spec and I'll tank. And then everybody else was like tanking without a tank spec and they could solo and they could go out and do quests and they could make money. And they, you as a prot warrior were like, um, can I have at least two other people come help me do stuff at all times? I feel like I should interject here because, um, I had a different experience cause I was playing a priest. I was playing a healing class and not, not a tanking class, but it was kind of the same thing with priests. Um, yeah, I was yeah. leveling, I was leveling as a Forsaken Shadow Priest, mostly because I wanted to be ridiculously OP, and Devouring Plague was so OP, you guys. You have no idea. Because um, was, that was like the special thing for a Forsaken Priest, was to get that. Not everybody had it. Everybody had it later on. They gave it to everybody later on when they got rid of the whole racial thing. Um, the only other thing that was probably power uh, more powerful than that and arguably more useful was uh dwarf priest had uh fear ward yep and man only the alliance had fear ward the horde side did not have it um so it made fights interesting particularly anixia who utilized fears quite a bit um anyway uh I leveled as a shadow priest because that was the easiest way to solo and boy was it ever easy. I had so much fun with that. I had so much more fun with that than I did trying to level a resto druid on alliance side. Um, That was, you know how you talk about things were different in 1.0? 
as opposed mm-hmm. to 1.12. Yeah. Leveling a druid, like, from day one was difficult. And they finally gave druids, I want to say it was 1.8, where they gave druids a, a makeover that actually made those other specs something worth playing. But until that point, oh, leveling was just kind of a logistical nightmare. Anyway, um, Shadow Priest. So when I hit, like I said, when I hit level 60, I joined a raid guild. I healed in that raid guild as a shadow priest. They didn't make me respec. I didn't need to respec. Didn't have to. There was no reason for it. I could still heal. I had all the heal spells and things like that. I just wasn't like specced into holy or discipline or anything. I was specced into shadow. And it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. I didn't end up swapping to holy until I think about three quarters of the way through Blackwing Lair. And I did it because we just needed a little extra oomph as far as healing went. Um, and nobody yeah. else wanted to do it. And I was like, fine, it, I will suck like it up. One. I will suck it up and I will do it. It's fine. I will do it for, for you know, for the guild or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is you needed like one holy priest, maybe two. Yeah. Everybody else could and say shadow. D- it didn't matter. Didn't matter. And you needed like one or two resto druids. Yeah. And every other druid could, could be healing you as Boomkin. They could just, no, you know, no, stay, we stay. had every druid we had. Every druid we had was resto, and the reason that they were resto was so that they could cast innervate on the priests. All oh, right, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. on cooldown. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a, a talent. It w- Excuse me, one sec. Oh, I had to cough. Got a hair in my throat. Anyway, um, it was the thirty-one point talent in the resto tree. It was like the bottom talent that you could get in the resto tree. So you had to spec resto to get innervate so that you could cast it on everybody else. That was that was your that was your main contribution as a druid back then. You were casting heals, but no no one cared about resto heals. It was basically not so much. Not so much. It was it was a good backup. It was a good backup to have, but yeah, if you had shaman, we had a lot of wind fury shaman. Yeah, because you needed if you had the more melee you had, the more you wanted wind fury totem. Because Wind Fury Totem just made them incredible. But, like, they uh, were melee they were almost... shaman, and they were in there ripping yeah. up and doing damage. Like, you wouldn't believe it was pretty great. You never wanted to PvP against a shaman with a Sulphuros. I'll tell you that right now. No. Uh, even when I got when I got my Sulphuros, I, I knew if I saw a shaman coming at me with one, this is going to hurt. <laughs> you know, It's just going to hurt. There's nothing you can do about it. He's going to hit you real hard. Because Wind Fury procs worked differently back then, and they, they were based on the, the speed of the weapon. And Sulfurus was a 3.8 speed weapon. And see, this is all stuff you probably don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> weapon feel... speed, weapon yeah. levels. Like, it's yeah. been weird playing um, a rogue, because I have been playing on Classic a little bit. Been dabbling, dabbling a little. But um, it's been weird playing as a rogue and having your attacks miss because your weapon skill isn't high. Like, you're building your weapon skill as you go along. It's just some of these things that we had to do back in Classic are, like, hazy memories. And as I play Classic, they're coming back. Like, when I was thinking about it, I was playing with a friend and they had never played WoW before. So, like, they decided to start playing WoW Classic and they were playing with me. And um, they've never played WoW before. So they were asking, and they decided to roll a rogue. So I rolled a rogue too. We were, we're on a PvP server. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's let's do two rogues. Because that can be pretty deadly, actually. And if we get to Stranglethorn, we can just vanish and like skulk our way through and, and, and murder people. And it'll be great. Um, in-game. Anyway, uh, so yeah. As I was playing, he was like, well, what professions do you want as a rogue? And I'm like, okay. Logistically speaking, I said, when I started playing, I made one that was um, a miner and an engineer. Because I wanted the little trinkets and things. I said, realistically speaking, you're going to have to make your own poisons. Which means that you're going to need herbs to do that. So you might as well pick up herbalism. And if you're picking up herbalism, you want to pick up alchemy to go with it. Because then you can just, I said either that or if you want to try making a lot of gold, you can pick up herbalism and mining and just get the two gathering professions and sell your materials. I said, but since you're going to have to make poisons anyway, you might as well pick up alchemy and start making flasks and potions and things like that. All of this was stuff that I hadn't really thought about in years, but it came back like it was nothing. And he was like, well, what if I'm a priest? What do I want to do? I'm like enchanting tailoring. I don't remember why I remember that, but I remember that. 
Yeah, I went back in classic. I went enchanting, and I've always regretted it on yeah. my character. But I, I, it's like I only recently switched away from it. I felt bad switching away from it because I had everything. I had all the original recipes. So wow. I was like, oh, I'm gonna lose all of them. Yeah, it was it was a hard thing to do. But yeah, we've probably talked about this more than we've we've talked about this for like a half hour. So. We're going to move on to do some emails because we've actually got some emails that aren't about WoW Classic. They aren't. They aren't about WoW Classic. So this is where I'm going to put in like the timestamp thing earlier. I, yeah. Yep. Anyway, I will make that convenient for you guys that are listening to the recording. So, um, yes. If you've got an email for the show, you can send us an email at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Or you can go to our Discord server, and we have a podcast queue and questions channel. Uh, podcast and queue questions is what it's called. I just mangled that, but you know what I'm talking about. You can ask us there as well. Uh, we're more than happy to talk about other games. And in fact, we even have questions about other games entirely this week, so we'll see if we get to them. Uh, Anne's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Anne. We are so getting to them because I'm reading them, so we're going to get there. But um, let's go ahead and just do the first one. This is uh, from Zadus, who says, Hi, Watchers. Zadus, Lightforged Hunter on Peak US here, listening to the latest Lore Watch, and it suddenly occurred to me to ask, are there any Forsaken children? I've never seen any. If not, why not? Wouldn't children be, be raised by the plague the same as adults? Do they all choose not to serve Sylvanas? That's such an interesting question, Zetas. Rossi, I'm just going to let you tackle that first. Thanks. Um, I don't think we can really say that we've seen many. I, I don't recall actually ever seeing a Forsaken Child. That doesn't mean there aren't any, but I mean, I, I don't re- recall ever seeing one. That's, that's the only thing I can say. I've never played a Forsaken past level 20, uh, so it would be very likely I wouldn't have noticed if there were any. Okay, I'm but... just going to jump in here. No, we have never seen a Forsaken Child. Why? Because that's creepy. I mean, that's that's above and beyond creepy. We've seen, uh, we've seen ghost dead... children. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen ghost children because Pamela Redpath exists, and I remember her. Yes, we've seen ghost children. We have not seen little skeletal Forsaken children because I think that's one step too far I think. I think there's so far that there's a line of, of, of what people are comfortable dealing with and I think that plagued chil- plagued undead children probably crosses that line There's um, a reason the creepiest character in the in the uh, interview with the vampire is Claudia. Oh yeah like totally yeah, without question the, yeah. so I mean I don't I'm not saying Blizzard would never do this. I, I don't. I've learned long since to never say Blizzard would do, would not do anything because Blizzard will eventually do anything that they choose to do. Um, I definitely but think that if they you, did it, it would be a big deal. Like people would be like, "Oh God!" And you would have to like you would have to treat that character like Claudia, really, because this is this is an undead creature that's not going. So its mind is going to grow. And its body is going to decay. That's not a happy, fun concept. And I don't think that that's really a concept that Blizzard wants to touch on. So we've never we've never seen a Forsaken Child. I don't think we're ever going to see a Forsaken Child. I It's never even come up. And, and yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's kind of a little ew. <laughs> yeah, kudos on a disturbing question, yeah. my friend. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the second question here because we got to. This is from Tentung, the Orc Shaman, who says, You want questions about Blackthorn and rock and roll racing? Okay, fine. As somebody who's never played these early Blizzard games or whatever Blizzard's name was at that point, it was Silicone and Synapse. Anyway, uh, did these games have the Blizzard polish and gameplay or some primordial version of it that they are now known for? If I were to play these games now, would I be able to say, Yeah, this feels like an early 90s Blizzard game? Thanks, Tentung the York Shaman. I'm gonna let you address Blackthorn because I think that yeah. you've played, you you probably have a better memory of it than I do. Um, mm-hmm. I remember rock and roll racing. So um, go ahead, talk about Blackthorn a little bit. Blackthorn is one of the best of its type that's that's ever been around. It, it, they did an amazing job on it. Uh, it is very much a kind of weird, like it's very 90s. Like if you played Contra or whatever, you can pretty much understand what Blackthorn is. 
uh, but it's well done. Uh, I think at the time, even people were like, yeah, that's well done. But it, it definitely doesn't necessarily feel like a modern Blizzard game. Like you can tell this came out before War, like Diablo came out. This is, for one thing, it's a Nintendo game. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it was made for Nintendo. Super NES. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, it's that. I mean, it's also, it's extremely 90s. Like it, if you look at the cover, like just the art for the game, uh, Blackthorn is a, like, you would not have been surprised if there was an image comic named Blackthorn. Like, and the whole, like, world concept, like, you know, he's a, he's a special forces army guy who finds out that he's actually the son of a king from another world and his kingdom has been usurped by an evil wizard using a magic gem and he has to go back. And it's like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> so it's, it's a very 90s. It's very comic book influenced. It's like I said, Jim Lee could have drawn this comic and it would have worked. You would have believed it. Uh, it does. It definitely feels like that. It does feel like Blizzard. It just feels Blizzard has always kind of worn their campy influences on their sleeve. Like, I mean, you know, when you play Blizzard games, you, you know that they're there. They have like Star, Star Wars joke references. You know, it's there's there's a ton of stuff like that in, in every Blizzard game. Diablo. Wow. They're all there. Uh, Blackthorn is like that, but without the, the, the mask of something else, it's like, they just straight up made an image comic video game before the, you know, before the, and I feel like I should point out that when, when Blackthorn came out, Blizzard Entertainment was actually Blizzard Entertainment. And in fact, um, Blackthorn, it, in some European countries, I think it was called Blackhawk, but it was Blackthorn in the U S when it came out, it came out for the super NES in, um, September of 94. And so right in, around the time World of Warcraft came in out. November yeah. of '94, that's when Orcs and, Warcraft, Orcs and Humans were released. So these were like released in the same year. It's just that uh, Orcs and Humans was for PC, and Blackthorn was pretty much it was a console. It was for uh, Super, Super NES. NES yeah. I, I think they had a DOS version too, like you could play it on the on the PC. But eventually, I think that, yeah, I think, I think that most people played it for the Super Nintendo. I think I think that was like the primary, you know, yeah. people and bought it there. It was extremely good at being that kind of game. Like I mean, I, I played it. It was frustrating as heck. Like it, it was, was hard. Not, it was not an RTS. Yeah. And I know that Blizzard no. is known for like their early games, the RTS games, and then like a dungeon crawler like Diablo, right? Uh, Blackthorn yeah. was what did they call it? Like a, a platformer. Yeah, it's like it's a cinematic, platformer. cinematic platformer it's, it's, or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty constant. It's pretty much exactly like Contra in terms of how it plays not exactly like i saying it's exactly like makes it sound like it's a copy and it's not but in terms if you know how contra works if you know how side-scrolling platformers work that's it was how like it that it was like that Except and it's like mario brothers if mario shot things constantly instead of just jumping around um, yeah it, it, it's it is it's but it is it was good it was well designed um i don't have any i don't really see how you could have done that kind of game better than they did it so yeah, it was it was polished, but it definitely feels prototypical in a way that Warcraft um, Orcs versus Humans feels like it kind of sets up Blizzard. But if you go play it now, you can see all the ways that Blizzard wasn't fully Blizzard yet. Yeah. And this definitely feels like it's along those lines. Like it's it's still them, but it's them having not quite figured out how do we deliver everything we want in one game. And but yeah, it's it's very good. I, I you can get it now. I think you can download it. Um, maybe maybe not now, but a couple of years ago it was available on the site. You can it's, download it. If if I remember correctly, you can still get it on the launcher. You could for a while. You could get it on the launcher. You could actually like it was like in the Blizzard Arcade or something like that. They had some of the old games in there. Um, I think Lost Vikings was in there, and I think Blackthorn was in there too. So you can still go play it if you want to. Um, it. The graphics do not hold up because keep in mind oh, this was done for the NES game. it was yeah. it was done for the Super Nintendo, but um the gameplay and stuff like that and the story is kinda the story's there. It's kinda there. Um but yeah, the cover art was developed by Jim Lee, like you said. So it was like it was very it was typical of that particular period in gaming history. These were the types of games that were coming out. Um when they came out with Warcraft Orcs and Humans RTS wasn't really, I don't think it was really that big at that point. 
no, was it? Uh, there was games like there was the games like uh, there was the Dune one actually. Yeah. There was a Dune RTS, which is actually a pretty big influence on Warcraft, I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, but beyond that, I mean, it wasn't really like a super overblown genre or anything. No, Warcraft like that. made Warcraft that was yeah. It Warcraft and then also Starcraft like just made that explode. I think there was like the Command and Conquer games. Yeah. And Warcraft and those games were basically like the two two different poles of what RTSs were like. Kind of like like nowadays you can have like you, there are forex games that are like Civ and there are forex games that are like different than Civ. That's kind of the same thing. You had Warcraft like RTSs and you had more you know slightly harder simulation based ones like well and command and conquer. conquer i think was like based on like real world wars and things like that too wasn't yeah it, it was versus going, warcraft it, was you know warcraft was not... like high fantasy you know same kind of thing but different setting altogether um now you, sh- you you have to talk about the, the okay so rock and roll racing let's talk about rock and roll racing here rock and roll racing was again it was another one of those games that kind of came out and it was when Mario Kart was like big and all these other racing games were big, rock and roll racing, it had kind of a different twist to it because it was vehicular combat. So you raced, but you also like fought the other cars and stuff like that. And it came out in, I want to say 93 and they hadn't yet made the transition to blizzard entertainment. They were still called Silicon and synapse at that, at, at that point in time. Um, the way that the game worked, it was it was for Super NES. Uh, I think it was ported to the Game Boy Advance at one point, like in the early 2000s. But the way that the game worked was you had four races, at, or you had four racers, and they were all pitted against each other. And you could play it one or two players. If you play it single player, it was you against three AI. If it was two player, it was two of you against two other AI. But these player controlled characters, they were like, they had, it was like, humans and aliens and things like that that you could pick from that were basic it was like comic books again you know we talk about we 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 talk about blackthorn and how it was like jim lee very comic book type of thing okay so like rock and roll racing same style of characters it felt very comic book and you could tell that the studio was a bunch of dudes who were super into comics in the early 90s and more power to them because so was i (laughs) but uh you had you raced around a track but there was like a big emphasis on attacking the competitors vehicles so you always like want to try and blow them up so that they fall behind and they would reappear like they'd reappear with full health like a few seconds later but they were back behind everybody else so it was it was like mario kart in a way where you use the shells and stuff just to make everybody's game a living nightmare um blue shell i see you anyway uh it was that kind of a game. It was that kind of a game. And the tracks, you know, you had oil slicks, you had snow drifts, you had places where you could fall off or fall into holes, that kind of thing. And it was just a racing game. It was seriously, it was just a racing game. Um, it was kind of like Mario Kart, but a twist on Mario Kart because it didn't... I want to say that Mario Kart probably of the two was the more polished game, obviously, because Hello Nintendo, you know? Um Mario was just like a big thing and of the two that I played I always preferred Mario Kart um however rock and roll racing also had a pretty amazing soundtrack <laughs> yeah it actually had a good composer on it too <laughs> it had a pretty amazing soundtrack with it that um and there's a reason why they call it rock and roll racing because it's like you know rock tracks and stuff uh they they basically had renditions of uh, rock and roll hits it t- so it was like uh, Paranoid by Black Sabbath was on there uh, Born to be Wild Bad to the Bone like all of these old rock tracks would play while you were doing this so it was just a fun game specifically for the soundtracks um, and I always like really enjoyed it uh, was it really indicative of Blizzard's polish mm. in the context of the game company still wasn't Blizzard yet, and they were still doing games and kind of finding their footing. Yeah, I think so. Because it was a really well put together game, and it was a lot of fun. People had a lot of fun playing it. Um, it was the same thing with like Lost Vikings. I had a lot of fun playing Lost Vikings, and it felt 
it did it feel as polished as something like oh i don't know world of warcraft no because this was made back in the early 90s when they were still figuring out all that stuff and getting all set up to do that kind of stuff um if you played those games now would you be able to say yeah this feels like an early 90s blizzard game yes if you realize that when you say early 90s Blizzard game, you think about the time period and you think about the developers that were involved with all of this and you think about those developers and what their hobbies were. Because these were a bunch of dudes that more than likely than not played a lot of D&D. They read a lot of comics. Um, they did, you know, the kind of stuff that you did in the early 90s. This was back when, you know, Image was getting really big. This was back when Vertigo was a thing and like Sandman was coming out, that kind of thing. Um, it was it was that time period where comics were like a really big deal, but they were super niche to people that read them. They weren't really in the media so much as far as there weren't really that many TV shows. There weren't any comic book movies. The comic book movies that they were were um superman and then anything else was bad superman and then yeah anything else was bad uh i mean uh, batman had just come out the batman movie the tim burton, the tim burton one, so, batman came out yeah. and that one actually did okay by the way that one still has a banging soundtrack and i stand by that prince was amazing anyway uh so when you think about that time period comic books were this thing that a lot of people read particularly dudes and I'm not saying that only guys read comic books because obviously, hello, I'm a girl and I read a lot of comics. But the the industry the was over, really marketed towards it. Was, it, yeah. it was it was oriented male. It was very male oriented as far as the audience goes. Um, and even comic shops were kind of like they were catering to a male audience more often than not, at least in my area. And from my experience, if you were a girl going into a comic shop, you're going to get looked at a little funny because it was like, why are you here? <laughs> um, but um, I'm here because Batman is dope. Anyway, uh, yeah, the people that made these games were people that came from that era and likely read a lot of comics and you can see that kind of influence in these early games it's not as polished because they were still kind of finding their footing and seeing what they wanted to make and they were also testing out different types of games and trying to see you know which genre worked for them and that kind of thing and I think when they hit on Warcraft Orcs and Humans I think when they hit on that and it ended up being that big hit they realized ah this is what we, we should stick with and we're going to make it as good as we possibly can and that's when you started seeing more of that polish and definition and everything else start coming in to play yeah and it, it was a process it's not like they just started they didn't like roll out of the you know the the, the gate making super polished super awesome games you can watch their evolution throughout the period of time from warcraft to diablo to warcraft 2 warcraft 2 is like if you play warcraft and then you play warcraft 2 you're like whoa like warcraft 2 is there is like a big difference yeah and then you go from difference. warcraft 2 to warcraft 3 you're like oh my god what happened here warcraft Chris 3 Madsen is happened. still yeah, Chris yeah, exactly. Metzen happened. <laughs> but like Warcraft 3, to be fair, Chris Metzen did a lot of the art and stuff for Warcraft 2. But yeah. No, Warcraft they brought 3... him in. They brought him in as an artist originally. And then in Warcraft yeah. 2, he, if you read the uh, instruction book, like the, the, the book that came with Warcraft 2, the little, the game guide thing, it has lore tidbits in there. And that was Metzen kind of like expanding the universe a little bit. And then yeah. they just like... They let him free and let him do whatever the heck he wanted with Warcraft 3. And yeah, we saw what he did. It was amazing. So, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. And, and with rock and roll ra racing, not only is there like, it's obvious that there was a lot of comic book influences with it, but it's also a lot of dudes that listen to a lot of metal. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. also true. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you can't really, yeah, you can't get away from that. Yeah, I think so. Basically, I think the verdict here is yes, they do feel like Blizzard games, but they definitely feel like early Blizzard games. They are not Blizzard now is not the company that made you know it's it's very different, but it's it's a continuum. You can see how it got from there to here. And I really I recommend um, take a look on the launcher. I don't know if they took it off or not. It was on the launcher for a while. There was like the Blizzard Arcade or whatever, and you could download these games and play them. Um, they're kind of good for like you know if you want to play some retro stuff, go play some retro stuff. Check it out. It's worth it. 
Um, anyway, thanks for the question, Tentong. <laughs> that wasn't about WoW Classic. Aren't we happy? Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go down to that one that you had pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go down to that one. And this one is from Kima, who's a human hunter on Norganon US, who says, Dear Watchers, with the giant sword stuck in Silithus, Teldrassil and most Night Elf county all, country all but destroyed, Brill and the Undercity gone, and so forth, it looks like the post-battle for Azeroth world is so far removed from Cataclysm that it makes no sense for new characters to start leveling in that old world and have to wait until they hit level 110 to see what the world actually looks like. Don't you think it's about time they updated the 1-60 to experience to reflect the state of Azeroth as it currently stands? Cheers, Kima. Um, what do you think, Crossy? I honestly, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is with the things going on the way they are in terms of the game and development of the game, as much as I'm loath to, to do the Cataclysm again, because man, Cataclysm, I think the Cataclysm revamp went too far and took too much of its focus away from Endgame in a way that a lot of people didn't see it as a result. And also, we're seeing now with WoW Classic that people really didn't want to lose all that old stuff. So would we just be creating a situation where people that would then be nostalgic for the cataclysm world? Uh, I don't know, but I do feel like it's very strange. I actually almost, I've been streaming this podcast cause I do every time we do a podcast, I've been on my level 20 um, dark iron, but I started, I was going to be on a level 10 night elf and that level 10 night elf is on Teldrassil right now. But obviously that's no, like the burning of Teldrassil took place a couple of months ago, at least at this point. You know, it's it does feel weird. It feels extremely weird to be like going to to, to Dolinar and knowing everybody there is dead. Like, you know, I'm talking to a merchant. That merchant either got out or died. Uh, I'm doing a quest. Oh, hey, here's a Furbolg tribe. They're all dead. You know, it's just it is a really odd feeling. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. Like if you're playing an undead, I haven't been. I've only been back to to uh, Tirisval once since that all went down. I flew my torrent around and I was looking at it going, yeah, here's here's this giant swath of destruction that cuts right through this whole area that people used to play in. And if you go over it, you'll die. Like the, the plague is so bad in this area that it will insta kill you. You can't you can't even fly over. Y- yeah, it. Yeah, you don't even want to fly over it. Trust me. I mean, you could yeah. if you want to giggle and die. But like, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Your your point is valid. I don't know how they should deal with it. I don't know how the end of this expansion is going to go. I think one of the most unsatisfying things they could do is to just magic their way out of this. Like if they had at the end, the Forsaken go back and, and cleanse the plague and the, the night elves just, you know, regrow Teldrassil and everything's fine. That would be terrible. You absolutely can't do that. That would just be the worst storytelling. And I don't think they're going to do that. But, you want those consequences to remain when you pull yeah. those kind of major, like plot altering actions you want the consequences of those actions to stay put so people remember that it happened. But in terms of them making it retroactive back to level one, I don't know. I, I can see pros and cons to both of it. I can see that the the cons of it are what we experienced in Cataclysm, where the world is too different and everybody, like, it's like, oh, but all this stuff I liked is gone. Like, and one of the examples for like a, a here's an example of the point where we're at now. We're at a point now where I can't even go back to Darkshore and see the changed Darkshore on my level like 120 characters. I can't even go look at Cataclysm Darkshore anymore because it's gone. And like all those NPCs and all those quests I did is all double gone. Because I leveled, keep in mind, I leveled in vanilla. I leveled in Darkshore. That was my first character to 60. I started in Darkshore. Same here. That's, so it's really, it was weird for me when Cataclysm came out and everything was changed. But at least there was a continuity of memory. And now that continuity of memory is utterly gone. And I don't know, wh- where would a level one Night Elf go? Where would they play? Would they just play an Elf? Well, they, they'd have to actually design it. And that's the thing. You, you'd have to actually go and design a starting Look, zone. Look, we Hyjal. fixed Hyjal. I want them to make that a full-on world tree. Do it. Come on. Uh, is there, do at it. this point, I feel like you should go because you, you, okay. you have ideas. Whereas I'm, I'm stuck in the, I have no idea. Okay. Place. Here's here's my thoughts on the matter. Do I think that this is something that they should do? Yeah, actually, I do. Um, do I think 
that they want to the the problem the problem with cataclysm and don't get me wrong cataclysm was a good expansion and i enjoyed it but cataclysm had kind of a disjointed story that was it wasn't the easiest to follow if you weren't super into the lore and paying attention to everything that was going on um and a lot of that was because the zones were kind of spread all out across the vanilla or the new, new revamped world. So you were going from high jaw, you'd go to like Vashir or something. And if you weren't paying attention, you didn't really understand how all of these things tied together and made a cohesive story. But the larger problem with cataclysm is the revamp itself. They introduced a lot of story elements, and that was fantastic. But they did that in the 1 to 60 leveling experience. And most people, when they were playing Cataclysm, were playing to hit max level and do the raids and do everything else. So they didn't necessarily go back and play through that 1 to 60 stuff. They just didn't do it. So they missed out on all of that really cool stuff. They, they spent all that time reworking. And I understand why they did it they did it so that people could fly in the old world they had to redo the old world to enable people to fly over it without seeing all of the visual trickery that happens or that happened back in vanilla to make things like stormwind cathedral wasn't actually like a 3d building back in vanilla you got it was a series of planes <laughs> that were just kind of like positioned in such a way that if you were looking up at them it looked like a 3d building but it was not um, yeah, because you were looking at it from such a distance, you couldn't see around the whole thing anyway. So, no, yeah. you couldn't. So so it was like, it was weird. Um, and if you managed to get like under the map or things like that, you could see it from underneath. You could see all of these weird little tricks that they had done. So they had to redo the old world if they wanted people to have flying in it. And they did want people to have flying in it because people really wanted to fly in the old world. I get it. I get it. I get why they did it. The problem with it, though, was that a lot of those zones had standalone stories that weren't really touched on again. And then a lot of those zones were tied into Cataclysm's story and tied into specifically Garrosh and Garrosh's reign as war chief. So when you go play over in Stone Talon, there's like a big long quest chain on Horde side. That involves Garrosh and involves the the Corcron troops that are out there and everything else that's going on, which totally made sense in the context of Cataclysm. But once we left Cataclysm and Garrosh was taken care of, specifically after the end of Missa Pandaria, all of a sudden, all of that stuff is immediately dated. Just immediately dated. So if they were going to do a revamp, they would need to do a revamp in which... The stories and events and individual zones didn't hinge on the main storyline of the current expansion. Give each zone its own individual storyline that's fairly like inclusive to that particular area. Something that could be timeless without relying on characters that may or may not actually still be around in the future. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. They did it pretty successfully with a few zones. There were there were a few zones where they pulled it off and it worked out really well. But there were other zones where it just it it, it didn't work out. It didn't work out that way. And I feel like if they were going to do a revamp, they would have to be really careful to kind of design it in a way that it's ageless and can continue to be ageless. Because you don't you don't need to be participating in the main expansion storyline when you're leveling. You don't need to be participating in that main storyline until you hit max level, whatever that max level happens to be. At that point, you can jump in with this story. And I feel like they are in a place where they could do this, though. And the reason I say this is because they are introducing this thing in 8.2.5 that will allow players to go back and replay lower level quests with their lower level friends. You saw that, right? Yeah, I did see that. That's actually something really cool that's coming in 8.2.5 because it's essentially finally allowing people to, go to back. get scaling. Yeah, and to do scaling and to even replay the quests. And to do yeah, worldwide so scaling. And I mm -hmm. think that's the other thing that needs to happen if they're going to do something like this is y you want to make things scale, make the whole world scale, make everything scale, make it so that if you do revamp the world, if you do revamp it, if you go back and you decide to play those quests in those introductory zones, 
they're going to be just as tough as they would be if you were there at level one. They're going to be a challenge. They're going to give you rewards that are actually, you know, kind of worth something while you're leveling or whatever. Let people level where they want, like, just open it up. Just open it up. And I feel like with where they're going with Battle for Azeroth's story, this is, this is something that they could feasibly fit into the narrative if they wanted to. Because things just happened. Things just happened in Nazdatar that are going to change the face of the world one way or another, and we're going to have to deal with that. So why not go ahead and change the face of the world with it? You know? Maybe it's time. Yeah, maybe it is. I mean, I, I, my reluctance is always going to be remembering how they did so much work on the old world, and mm-hmm. then nobody did it. Yeah. And then everyone's like, I don't understand the story. And I, even I said that at the time. I don't understand the story. What's missing? Oh, all that level one to 60 stuff that tells you, I really do think if you're going to do it, you need to do it as agnostic as possible. Like one of the reasons that I think world of Warcraft originally worked is that there was no overarching story. It had that kind of timeless narrative to it. Yeah. And it, it was possible when you went to red, when you went to like red Ridge, the stuff you did involved red Ridge. Yeah. There were, like, you know, yeah, the orcs were getting kind of agitated in Red Ridge because of what was going on in Black Rock Mountain, but you didn't need to know that. It, it was, it wasn't like, you know, as tied together as, oh, Deathwing did a thing, and that's why everything bad is happening. Like, it wasn't, it was very, Ragnaros and, and Nefarian were fighting, but you didn't need to know that to know, oh, the orcs are here and they're a problem. If you were doing, like, say, the Barons, the barons had a whole bunch of stuff going on. You didn't need to know that the burning blade were being agitated inside uh, Orgrimmar to do any of it. Sure, it was happening, but you didn't need to know about it. And I think that's the thing. And I feel like the other thing that they should be cognizant of that they maybe weren't. Well, it's it's not that they weren't. It was that I think the technology was so vastly different that they didn't really think about it or do it. Um, I feel like if you're going to do it. Number one, like I said, you need to build a timeless story for each zone. You need to build a story that's, you know, specifically delineated around that zone. It's something that's interesting, but it's not something that's going to affect the main narrative or be affected by the main narrative of that expansion. It's something that can live on in perpetuity and, and people can play through it and it's fine. But the other thing that I think that they absolutely need to do if they're going to do this is they need to make it possible for players to like talk to somebody from the bronze dragon fight and flip it back to cataclysm. If they want to, they don't need to remove all of that content entirely. They just need to make it accessible. And they didn't do that with the vanilla to cataclysm transition. And I understand why they didn't do that because they were essentially rebuilding the world and you can't really flip the switch back to the old world when you're, changing the landscape and and doing that kind of graphical overhaul that they did to enable Mm -hmm. flying because you can't you can't flip the switch to go back to vanilla and then suddenly be able to fly in it no it doesn't work that way but a lot of people that's part of the reason why i think cataclysm is just like so interesting right now is these are quests that people played once upon a time so long ago and they really wanted to experience them again and now they can go do that they can go do that if they want to they can play through that content honestly i kind of hope that they come out with like a burning crusade classic and maybe like not necessarily a wrath classic but i think a burning crusade classic would be kind of entertaining like put in those old quests the ones that were taken out the stuff with like garage where you like you know all that stuff i think it'd be cool to see those again um i think it'd be cool to see outland again and see it like as it was back then (laughs) make those heroics as punishing as they were (laughs) and good luck in oh my god what's the name of that dungeon you know the one i'm talking about shattered halls yes that one I didn't even have to say yeah. the name. You knew what I was talking about. Shattered I know Halls what dungeon it was. And they Botanica. were all bad. And Botanica. Oh. Botanica was the worst. Anyway, put it, put it all Shadow back Labs. in. Why not? That, Shadow Labs. That one pull in Shadow Labs with oh. every, every pull had six mobs. Yes. And three of them were casters. Yeah. It's like you could you could CC to your heart's content and you still ended up pulling three groups. Yeah. It's like, ah. 
Yeah, but anyway, let's not trigger that in me. No. I don't need to spend 20 no. minutes ranting about that. No, it's, uh, and honestly, we're, we're at the point where we should probably be wrapping up here. But I feel like, like I said, I feel like this is something that they could do if they keep those things in mind. Because there yeah, are people so... where all they have played, literally, they started playing in Cataclysm or Post-Cataclysm. And it's all they know. And if you want to give them a new world and everything, give them the opportunity to go back and replay the old world if they want to do that. Yeah, Just... imagine if you could level, if, if when Cataclysm came out, you could have leveled in the 1 to 60 content. Yeah. And you could have gone back and done those quests and leveled up and everything scaled and you, you would have been fine doing it. And then flip that the That would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it then you been... could have actually seen it. You would have seen the story. So the story, you wouldn't have even needed necessarily new zones at that point. Or you could have had new zones for, say, the, the you could have had five levels of go back and level in, in the new stuff. And, I, and think then... that's, I think that's kind of like part of the challenge, too, of doing a game like this, where it's like, it's a game with an ongoing narrative, and that narrative never really has a stopping point. So it's it's a matter of trying to decide, okay, how much of the existing world should reflect that narrative and in what way should it reflect it? And I think Cataclysm was great. I mean, I enjoyed playing through those 1 to 60 zones because I liked all those stories. But again, I'm super into lore. And I don't expect everybody to be like that. And I don't expect everybody to go back and do that. I did it because I'm a little nuts that way. Um, and that's me. But I think if they wanted to do it again, they need to do it in a way that it will live on past whatever that main narrative happens to be. It doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge that main narrative. It just has its own story and you play through it. And they, they do these really delightful little stories. I mean, it's entirely possible that they could do it. Also add Arathi to that list. Anyway, <laughs> cause, cause it didn't get much in Cataclysm and that was kind of a bummer. <laughs> oh, then we got more for Arathi this expansion. Yeah. Yeah, but um, when when I was talking about High Doll, yeah, I, I feel like the Night Elves, if the Night Elves are going to relocate anywhere, um, we spent all that time in Cataclysm making High Doll, like saving High Doll and all that other stuff. Dude, it was the it was the OG world tree. Let's make that happen again. Make it a world tree again. Just just grow it. Just make it huge. Make it loom over the rest of the continent. It'll be great. Do it. I want to see it. If nothing um, else, it would be kind of ironic that the Horde went and destroyed Darnassus and now the Night Elves are actually up there looking down at them from this giant mountain that they're on top of. Oh, man. And they'd probably fortify the heck out of it. I'd be like, okay, try marching up here. See how well that goes. Even please, the Burning Legion couldn't please, pull that stuff off. Just, just try it. Just try it. Yeah. They're, raining, they're just raining boulders down on Ashara. <laughs> oh, Galioix would wake up every morning and just, like, sweat. <laughs> they, they destroyed his he destroyed his golf course again oh, sooner or later they're gonna figure out how to aim those rocks properly uh maybe i don't know but yeah we should probably go ahead and wrap it up here um blizzard watch it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience and i'm just going to interrupt real quick for a second here to add an additional note next week um we are moving the show to fridays guys we're going to be we're going to be broadcasting live on fridays because it just seems to work out better for our schedules um and what the heck why not so the show the recorded show will be released on mondays um i am going to release this show today because it's a new announcement um and people are expecting a show today but i will let you know that as of next week uh if you if you want the recorded show it's going to be released on monday um and also with next week's show, we will be starting um, about a half hour later. So the pre-show is going to start at 3 p.m. Central instead of 2.30. And the show's going to run for the regular hour and a half. It's just we're starting a little bit later because I have a thing that I'm doing in the afternoon. And I'm not sure when it's going to be done with. So I just want to make sure that I'm back home in time and have a chance to, like, eat some food and stuff. And then we can do the show. Um, that's it. Go ahead, Rossi. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up for everybody. Guys, if you have a question for the podcast, again, either go to our Discord channel and we have a, a channel specially set up 
for you to ask questions, uh, you can do it there. Or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show and we can get onto it. Um, that's pretty much it, guys. That's been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.